0: let me mention that I am so grateful uh, each week I get personal messages from folks uh, uh, that are here at the church, just sharing what God's doing in your lives. Uh, personally, either emails, text messages, in, uh, instant message, uh, all kinds of, of, of venues. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for taking the time. Marion and I will read those, and we'll just rejoice in what God's doing, and we're grateful, and we thank God uh, for the move of the Holy Spirit in this place. But we we also know this: something powerful happens when you testify. Something powerful happens when you give God the glory. So please keep giving God the glory. Please keep testifying. Please keep sharing with people, um, because I, what I want want to talk about in this next series is really how all that happens how are you in fact let me ask you this question and, and please don't raise your hands all right this is not a response question this is a rhetorical question you'll understand it in just a second how many of you have ever attended a church where the culture was cold dead or even toxic no hands raised please <laughs> let me ask it a different way how many of you have been in a marriage that's been cold dead or toxic? No hands raised, please. How many of you have yourself ever been cold, dead, or toxic? All hands, please, because that's the truth. All right. <laughs> because how many of you know toxic churches happen because we show up? Right. <laughs> Just let that, I, I noticed I didn't say the, I said we, all right? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm joking around, but if we were honest... I know many people have been wounded or hurt at church. In fact, I, I, in fact, if we went around and really had you raise your hand, how many of you have picked up a wound at church? We would probably have almost unanimous hands raised. But can I just encourage you, don't trash the church because it's not, we're not an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> you think the world does it any better than the church? No, they don't. And so the fact is you're wounded at work. You're wounded in in your own home because guess what? The world's full of wounded people, broken people. So I'm trying to pop the bubble, first of all, but here's the second thing. How many of you believe we could have a culture that's life-giving, that's not wounding, that doesn't hurt people, that actually grows people, helps people encounter Jesus? How about this? not a culture of coldness, but a culture of warmth, not a culture where everybody's holy. Y'all know what I'm talking about, some church culture. This is what holiness looks like. And anybody that's happy is in sin. In fact, we're not happy at church. We're joyful. (laughs) How many of you heard that one? Oh, Jesus, help us. No, let's be happy. Everybody understands happy. Let's, Let's smile. Let's create a culture where Jesus is in our midst and where life is flowing, and where good things are happening. But here's the key, the, the, the issue, and I, I, I just wanted to highlight this. The reason church culture isn't naturally healthy is because people aren't naturally healthy. This is a hospital. You're only here because you're sick. And here's the deal. You're here because you're sick, and you're not too proud to admit it. Just to clarify why we're here. This is not a perfect club where all of us are five-star students and we never sinned and we're all... No, those people don't exist. They're phonies. We're here because we recognize we need a Savior. And so we're creating an atmosphere where we can be real and where Jesus can heal us. And how about this? Where my toxicity level can decrease and so can yours. And if we have a corporate decrease in toxicity, we'll be a healthy church together which is why i got to challenge you with this, too. Some people say, well, Pastor, you know, my personal life and my personal holiness and my personal consecration is none of anybody else's business. How many of you have ever watched the Charlie Brown Christmas with the, who's the little guy with the cloud over his head? Who's that? Pigpen. Some of you are little Christian pigpens. You come to church and if you could see the little cloud of doom and gloom over your head and you say, well, what's going on in my own life doesn't matter. That's my, that's for me. No, 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 no. You can be pig pen at home and have your own little, little cloud. But guess what happens when you come to church? You bring your cloud with you and we all get blessed from the cloud. Here's what I'm encouraging us to do at church. Can we exchange the pig pen cloud for the glory of the Lord cloud? For the presence of Jesus cloud. Come on, are you with me? So let me just tell you, who you are matters. Your health matters. If you're toxic right now, that's okay. We love you. But Jesus loves you enough not to keep you that way. And so we're in the process of getting all the poison out, all the bitterness, all the unforgiveness, all the, the nasty stuff that goes on in our hearts because we're sinful. And let me just tell you, we have to labor to get our culture right because if we don't, the bad culture, the toxic culture destroys the work of God and destroys the church. And some of you have been a, a part of churches where the toxicity got so bad, the church blew up and it may not even exist. How I many of you know that should grieve all of us? And can I just tell you, that is not what the Lord wants to do at Living Stones or any other place this morning where the church is gathered. So I want to talk to you about first church, the first church of Jerusalem, all right? The, the beginning church. We have a lot of churches with first in it, first Presbyterian, first Assembly of God, first Christian church, lots of first, but let's go to the first of the first, all right? All the way back to, to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And I want to pull out some culture points here. In other words, when I've heard people say this. You know, Pastor, when I came to Living Stones, it was like something happened to me, and I was losing control during worship, and I just cried, and I, I was like trying to pull it back together. I had one guy come up to me the other day. He goes, I'm a construction worker. I own a construction company, and I'm crying like a baby. What is the matter? Of course, I, he knew what was the matter. What was the matter is the Holy Spirit was rocking him because he was in an atmosphere where God was moving. How many of you want that kind of atmosphere, all right? The, or atmosphere where you forgive or where you get relationships right or you get healed or you get delivered. That's what I'm talking about. There's a culture. So let's take a look at this culture. Look at verse 42, Acts 2:42. 42. All the believers devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, but they also ate other meals together, and to prayer, okay? That word devoted is an amazing word. It means staying in a fixed direction. To be devoted to something means you're staying in a fixed direction. Now, what keeps us unified. What creates an amazing culture? It's people who are united in purpose and united in direction, and they keep going the same direction. I was talking to a great brother this morning who was asking some questions he was getting peppered with from somebody about this or that or this obscure thing, and at the end of the day, the reason the Bible tells us to stay away from vain discussions and vain arguments is because they don't keep us staying in a fixed direction. They're distractions. That's why Living Stones, we're not into arguing about distractions. I could care less about the the, the skeptics out there that have questions about every minute thing in Scripture. Let's keep Jesus the main thing. Let's keep loving people the main thing. Let's keep unified on the big purpose that we know is clear and not get distracted on the other things. Well, how do we do that? Well, this passage tells us we're going to be people of the word. We're going to do it Jesus' way. Jesus' opinion is the only opinion that matters. All right? Jesus' opinion. Thus saith the Lord is the only source of authority I care about. How about you? We're going to eat food together. Yes. Lots of it. I Actually, this is the dumbest comment I've ever heard. Uh, I heard a governor in my son's state. He doesn't own the state, but he lives in that state. Um <laughs> Just to clarify, that's how rumors get started. The governor said to gather with your family over the holidays would be to put a loaded gun to grandmother's head. This is why, folks, the Bible says eating together is life-giving because it creates an atmosphere of fellowship when Jesus is the center when people get healed. And when grandmas get love to life, and grandmas get nurtured, one of the things that kills me about this season we've been living in is we can't even go love the elderly who who are sick and need our love. We can't even go see them. Get together and eat food for the glory of God. It's a secret to culture. Good things happen when people eat. Go to the Maganotti's house. They make incredible Italian food, all right? (laughs) I'm sorry, you guys, set up an appointment with them. I have been there. It's life transforming. It will be the same for you. The third thing we do is we pray together and we pray individually. We have a personal encounter with Jesus through prayer. We talk to him and we listen to him and what he has to say. Look at what it says next. A deep sense of awe came over all of them And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. How many of you know what we need to return to the church environmentally, corporately, core value-wise, is a sense of awe? God is here. God is on the move. God is touching people. God is transforming people. I mean, you know, a church that's not marked by the supernatural is not a New Testament church. It's a cold, dead, toxic church. We need the presence of Jesus in His church. When He is here, nothing is impossible. When He is here, miracles happen. God's power and God's presence were palpable in that church. Look what happens next. All the believers met together in one place. One place. Together. Do we want the presence of Jesus in our midst? Then you got to leave your house. You can experience the presence of Jesus in your house, but you experience him differently corporately. There's something about everybody coming together that, that is different than you and I having our quiet time alone. They met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, I have heard well meaning knucklehead Christians try to use that verse to justify the fair tax. They take from the wealthy give to the poor. I want you to see there is no sign of government anywhere in that passage. These are people like you and me who have been rocked by the Holy Spirit, whose hearts become generous. I mean, you know, we're not just talking about money. When Jesus saves you and when the Holy Spirit rocks you, your whole life becomes a gift to the world. Your whole life is not your own. Your stuff is not your own. Your kids are not your own. Your marriage is not your own. Your church is not your own. Your whole life you give away, including your money. Just to add that, including your money. This is not the government coming and saying, do your fair share. I'm so sick of that stupidity. That is just language for politicians to rob and steal you blind. They have no business to do that. This is a supernatural move of Jesus in his church. We don't need the government to help us help people have enough. We're supposed to help people have enough. In fact, we're supposed. (laughs) Come on, I'm going to come preach to you. I got someone getting excited over here. I'm going to just preach to you. We're supposed to have enough that a world in need could come and experience supernatural, superabundance among God's people. Yeah. In fact, the Bible says there wasn't one person in their gathering that had a need. I want you to hear this. If we do church right, there is supernatural prosperity that flows through God's people. Yeah. Willingly, not out of compulsion. Willingly, can I just say this too, anytime our government starts mandating, they have have overstepped their assignment, which is to protect your God-given liberties, all right? The Holy Spirit does not mandate, he transforms. He takes stubborn, selfish, toxic hearts and turns them into broken, loving, passionate hearts that love to bless people. I'm still waiting for the day when I say, hey, church, it's time to give. And everybody goes crazy. Yes, I've been waiting for this moment. You think I'm kidding. I am not kidding at all. When the Holy Spirit starts moving, you realize what an incredible privilege that we have to meet the needs of others and to honor the Lord. Supernatural generosity is a kingdom uh, blessing and a kingdom core value. Look at the next point, verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Again, this is where the church, I've heard people that are like, eh, well, you know, the early church, they didn't meet. There was no hierarchy. There was no institution. They just, everything was simple. They just met in their home. No, 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 no. They met together. Because something powerful happens when the church gathers together under the teaching of the scripture, under fellowship, under prayer, and the Lord's Supper, etc, and they met in homes. It's not either or. it's both. Here's the point: The life of the church and God's people was center to their social life. I know people that cannot find time to come to church. You know why? Because Jesus is not the center of your life. Everything changes. Jesus and his people become the blazing center of those who are redeemed. This is your social life. This is what we do. This is who we hang with. It's God's people. It's the church of Jesus Christ. All the while, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Look at the unity that's present here. They're praising God. They're unified in their worship. And then God gave them unity amongst the people. They enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. And how about this? People were getting saved every single day. How many of you want to be a part of a movement and not a church? I'm talking a Holy Spirit movement in your lifetime where people are coming to the Lord, as Pastor Dick likes to say, by the acre, not trickling in here or there, a move of God. I believe, I believe we're being set up for a great move of God, and I believe that, that people are going to be looking for a place that is countercultural, that is different, that is full of the presence of God. So how many of you are committed to being a church, part of a church like that? All right, that's what, that's what I want. I want to be a part of a church like that. Look at what it says in Acts 4.32, a couple pages further in the book of Acts. I believe it gives us a secret as to what was happening. All the believers were unified or united in heart and mind. Isn't that good? Their minds were going the same way, but their hearts were also going the same way. Can I just tell you this? We've got to labor and be intentional about loving one another and about moving in a spirit of unity and humility. Because if we don't, culture gets toxic and bad things happen. But if we do, God blesses all of us together when we walk in that kind of spirit. Of course, the Bible says, Luke 11, 17, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. But a, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So these were... Uh, These people were powerfully united in community that was connected by shared values and purpose. And here's here's the key word I want to bring out. The culture was so countercultural that people were drawn into their community. They wanted what they saw. And I believe that the culture of the church should be so radically countercultural from the world. Can I just tell you right now, all of you gathered together right now in this room, you are so countercultural. It's a joke. And I just got to tell you, I love it. And you, and, and you know why you're all here? Because you found your tribe. Because you found your tribe. The church isn't supposed to mimic the world. The church is supposed to be radically countercultural from the world. We're not supposed to see how much we can be just like them. We're supposed to be radically different in a kingdom way. Because Jesus is in our midst. Because joy is in our midst. Because health is in our midst. Because power is in our midst. We're supposed to be radically different. People's lives are being transformed. Transformed. If culture isn't right, I just want to say this, nothing else matters. How many of you know, some of you follow Peter Drucker, the famous business guru, he he said this, it's a famous quote, you've probably heard it, but it bears repeating. Culture, he said, eats strategy for breakfast. What he meant by that is, we can be at churches and we put our vision statement on the wall and we got our strategies to, to reach the world, right, on the wall, but the culture is toxic. How many of you know that vision statement is worthless? And those strategy points, throw them into garbage. It's not going to happen. Because if culture isn't right, nothing is right. How many of you, I'm going to give you a great illustration. Just saw this last night. I turned on to IU football. Now, I've been watching IU football because there is a revival in IU football. I mean, you know, if I would have said IU football 10 years ago, you would have gone, oh, Indiana has a football team? Because they were that bad. They were known by how many consecutive losses they had to other teams in the Big Ten. So, for instance, last night, Indiana University beat Wisconsin for the first time in 11 years. Revival was breaking out on the sideline. (laughs) One one coach was so excited when the game ended. He tripped and fell to the ground, and then he got back up and he ran, and these two grown men gave each other the biggest hugs. It was like hug time at Living Stones. It was amazing. It was just (laughs) incredible. I thought, man, they're having church right now. This is crazy. (laughs) And then players were hugging. And I mean, that's not a football team culture by and large, all right? But this is what happened. When they interviewed the coach, and they have beat some major teams. They beat Penn State for the first time in like 20 years. I mean, this this is a breakthrough season for them. But this, I want you to see something. When the coach got interviewed on ESPN or wherever they were playing, first words out of his mouth, were giving glory to the Lord. I'm going, ah, there's a culture change that has been happening at IU. And then the quarterback got interviewed first thing out of his mouth. Ready for this? He honors the Lord, and then he honors his coach. He honored the coach. Thank God. For, and the teammates, And in fact, they said, we have a, a core value for our team. It's called Leo Love each other. And this was, I'm, I'm literally, I'm getting ready to preach this message, and I'm watching this unfold on TV. In fact, I want to show it to you next Sunday. I didn't want to torment our guys back in the booth with a last-minute video. But um, I usually do stuff like that. I'm trying to get better. All right. So, so um, while this wonderful coach is just trying to share about what's going on, He's getting mauled by the players who are running off the field. They're hugging him. They're sticking their head in the camera. This is the greatest coach in college football. Yeah, Leo, Leo. I mean, they're saying all this stuff, hugging each other, tackling each other. And and this is what the the announcer said. When you create a five-star culture, you recruit five-star talent.
1: Oh, that is
0: so good. Now, listen, I want you to hear this. When we create a five-star kingdom culture, we don't only recruit amazing talent, but we recruit the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We get the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's on your team, you win. And good things happen and breakthroughs happen. So it was amazing to me. Now, let me just say this. There are no cookie-cutter approaches to churches. This series that I'm doing, I'm not saying every church needs to be like our tribe. What makes churches unique is their culture. And I just want to tell you, this morning, uh, you can go to churches all over the northwest Indiana or watch them online or wherever they're at. But my point is this. You can experience great things. Everybody doesn't have to be the same. That's why we have different denominations. That's why we have different churches, because everybody's not the same. You need to find your tribe. So what I'm trying to share with you is, like, this is our tribe. This this is who we are. It will help you not only know how to find your way around here, but it will help you know how to move and how to operate. And how about this? How to be devoted, how to move in the same direction together with us to accomplish the vision and the dreams that God's put in our heart. So you got to find your tribe. And let me just say something else. This This is really important. No matter how talented or gifted or anointed you are, if there's not a fit within the culture, you'll end up hurting the ministry. I need to say this. This is really important. We have a lot of five-star talent that's come to the church in the last five months. Lots of it. Amazingly gifted people. But here's something my dad used to say. People would come up to him and they'd say, Pastor Ron, man, I'm so with you. I'm committed to you, man. I would die for you. This is my church, blah, blah, blah. And my dad, almost in an insulting way, all right? you had, had to know my dad. He would... He would just look, if Rex was saying that, he'd just look at Rex and he'd go, see me in six months. And he'd just walk away. And I'm more like my mom, okay? Tender, sensitive, stuff like that. All right, so I would be like, Dad, show the guy some love. Like, hey, man, thank you, appreciate it. But my dad was wise. Because what he's saying is talk is cheap. Don't tell me how much you love me. Hang out with me become part of our tribe, go through some battles, go through some mountaintops, go through some valleys, then tell me how much you love me in about six months. So what I would say to all of our five-star talent that God is sending us, see us in six months. I don't mean that literally, please hear me, I don't mean that literally, but I do mean this, you got to get fitted into the culture, which means if there's some parts that don't fit, what happens when you rub together with people in a church family? Stuff gets rubbed off, right? Well, why are you experiencing friction? You experience friction when things don't fit. And if you let the Holy Spirit rub that off of you, you'll start finding yourself flowing. Does this make sense? And when you're flowing, that means you found your tribe. That means you know how things roll. That means you know how they do things. That means, when I say you know how they do things, that means you understand the culture in which you've been placed. And if you understand the culture, you can run together. That's why one of the dumbest things you can do is take somebody that you don't even know in a church and put them into a position of spiritual authority and leadership. Because if it doesn't matter that you have the same theology if the culture's not the same does that make sense so we're big we're big on culture we're big on finding your tribe and let me just say this so with all this being said this is kind of an introductory message today all right all this being said so what should be our number one priority for our tribe on Sundays when we gather corporately it's a good question, right? Like, What are we after? We sang about this morning. I kind of preached on it a little bit. I hinted on it, but let, let's just flesh it out. Here, here's, what, here's what we're after together. We want to host the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. Now, I want this to sink in. How many of you are going to still do the risky thing, now I'm being sarcastic, and actually get together with family at Christmas and celebrate? You're going to have people at your house. Wave at me. All right. All of you all, I mean, if I could kiss you all, I would right now. You're all part of my tribe. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. You can all come over to my house too. Yeah. See if my wife's listening. <laughs> See, seeing if my wife's paying any attention to the message this morning. She is. You're just inviting them. You're, you're creating the invitation, aren't you? All right. So, so here's what happens if you're having people at your house, what do you do? How many of you will find the vacuum cleaner somewhere in the house and you will use it, all right? Right? Because you're getting the floor clean. How many of you are going to clean your children? How about clothing your children? That's always good, too. So that they're, you know, they're dressed properly, everybody looks good. Brush the dog's teeth, come on. God forbid you got the dog under the table. (laughs) You know, do you smell that? All right. But my point is, how I many of you are going to put out the best tablecloth? You might even pull out the china if you have it. Am I talking to the right crowd? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Because you're setting the table for guests to come to your house. Yeah. And because you love the guest and you honor the guests, you work extra hard to make sure everything is perfect. Can I just say this? Our guest is the Holy Spirit, and and if we think that way, we don't just go to church. We prepare a table for the Lord to come, and how many of you, you know, people can come. I can invite Tony over to my house for the holidays and say, hey, Tony, and he comes up and he knocks, he says, hey, I I brought you some cookies or whatever. Hey, come on in. No, 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 we got to go. We got to go. No, you guys, seriously, come on in. No, we got to go. And, and, you know, that happens sometimes. You let people go their own way. They, everybody can't stay. But, I mean, you know, hosp- hospitable people are like, no, 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 you must come, right? <laughs> no, you must have a cookie. <laughs> you must have another cookie <laughs> and a dozen more cookies because that's how you say I love you. You know what I'm talking about. Because you want them to stay. Now, if we want the Holy Spirit to stay and not just drop in, but we want him to stay, how do we host a party for the Holy Spirit? How do we welcome the Holy Spirit and appreciate the Holy Spirit and honor the Holy Spirit? That's a good question, isn't it? Because I just want you to know, I love all of you being here. I love seeing you every week. But we're not the fo- We're not the focus. And I think sometimes in the local church, you need to remind yourself, churches that are seeker-focused, in my opinion, are missing the whole point. You're not the focus. He's the focus. And when he's the focused, he draws people. Now, now let me just put you all at ease, all right? Some of you come from places, you say, well, I I knew that Living Stones Church was going to emphasize the Holy Spirit and not Jesus. You know how those churches are. Let me just pop that little bubble in a hurry. How many of you know the Trinity is not a toxic community? Why is the Holy Spirit here? And when we host him, what is on his heart? What is his mission? What is his core value? It's to reveal Jesus and to magnify Jesus and to inflame our hearts with passion for Jesus and to heal us from our brokenness so we can be like Jesus and we can love other people and we can help other people get free. The Holy Spirit's passion is Jesus. So when I say let's host the Holy Spirit, I mean you know it's a package deal. If you love and honor and welcome the Holy Spirit, he brings the Son with him. And when the Son comes with him, what is Jesus' mission? What is Jesus' purpose? To reveal the Father's affection and heart for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. They're all working together. There's no church split happening in heaven. Don't get religious on me because you're afraid. We're afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're afraid sometimes of letting him go. We're afraid. How many of you know when the... I just got to say this too, There are some churches I've I've heard about that are so focused on trying not to offend lost people who might stumble upon the church that they actually play secular top 40 music in the foyer because they want people to feel at home. And then we get them in the sanctuary and we try not to overwhelm them with too much Holy Spirit stuff because, you know, that might scare them. And, um, and then we're going to let the Holy Spirit sneak up on them <laughs> slowly over time. Can, can I just tell you, if you haven't already figured this out, our approach is slightly different. Now, I'm having a little fun here, but I'm serious. Our approach is called shock and awe. (laughs) Okay. Shock and awe. It's very biblical. When you read through the book of Acts, they were not having theological explanations on what just happened. Let me help you out. They had no clue what just happened. All they knew is they were experiencing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you ready for this? And they liked it. (laughs) Woo! What was that? People were getting healed. People getting devils cast out of them. People selling property, giving it all away. Boy, that's weird. Yes, countercultural. It's what Jesus does to people. They were getting countered by the Holy Spirit, and then they were going, what just happened? I don't know, but we'll, we'll trust the same God who encountered us to explain it as we go through life. Shock and awe. The world is not looking for an environment that mimics theirs. They are lost. They are miserable. They're looking, ready for this? For counterculture. They're looking for Jesus culture. They're looking for the presence from another world in this place that encounters their hearts. And can I just tell you something? I love it when people are like, oh, I had one guy this morning, a construction guy. He said, Man, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm just, I sit here in church and I just cry and I cry and I cry. And he goes, I, like, I can't do this. I work construction. We're tough. We hit our fingers with nails and hammers and stuff like that. We're tough. I'm not supposed to be doing it. But, but here's, here's what I told him I said, Isn't it great when the Holy Spirit takes, takes you out of control and he starts getting in control? Yeah. I'm going to be all together in worship and worship with reverence and in truth. And then the Holy Spirit just goes, Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, all of a sudden, whatever you were singing went from here to here. And you're trying to figure out what happened. Don't try to figure out what happened because you're still in control. Well, you just enjoy what's going on in your life and just surrender to the Holy Spirit and let God be God and let Him heal you. That's what He wants. The Bible says God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. Another translation said the praises of Israel gives you, the praises of Israel gives you become your throne. Now, and now, if I invited the Meganatis over to my house, I said, come on in, and there was no furniture. We'd all be standing around awkwardly, right? Because, you ready for this? I invited them in, but there was no furniture to sit on kind of an awkward situation what happens in the church when we invite the Lord in but we haven't created any furniture now you're saying well pastor God's a spirit he doesn't sit on chairs exactly God sits on worship so some of you saying, you know I've had people you know I don't mind the message most of the time but that living stones worship I'm a little bit uncomfortable so I'm just going to show up 30 minutes late so I missed at least two songs What are you doing? i tell you what you're doing. You got no furniture. Man, I don't know. I just don't. God never speaks to me. I never sense the presence of the Lord. Get some furniture. <laughs> God wants to sit down with you. He wants to hang out with you. Where do you get the furniture? Worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. You worship, you give thanks, you find grace, you get joy. God comes with and hangs out with you. Woo! then it gets fun. Otherwise, it's just religion. And the host, the honored guest, never shows up at the party. What a bummer to be a Christian where the honored guest never shows up because you don't have any furniture, <laughs> which is why at Living Stones we will never shrink our worship time. Because we're not going to be the 15-minute service where we can get you in and out so we don't inconvenience you. God's whole goal is to inconvenience you. We're not going to help you stay nasty and toxic. We're going to let, the, let God heal you with his presence because you're not in control. He is. So we're going to worship, and then we're going to worship some more, and then we're going to really go for it and sing really loud, and sing it again, louder, and cheer, and who knows what will happen, but the furniture's in place for the Lord to show up. Oh, man, that is so good. All right, you guys are talking way too much. I got three minutes. (laughs) When he comes in power, what does it look like? Well, let me give you quickly where we're going on this series. I want to talk about seven Seven of our values, all I'm going to do is mention them, uh, so don't get worried. Seven of our values, but we're going to unpack these in the weeks ahead and have a lot of fun with it. How many of you know one of our values is daring love? Not just cotton candy love, daring love, love that is courageous, love that's married with truth, love that's willing to do the hard things, love that's willing to stand against the current and be countercultural. Y'all with me? Okay, none of you are with me. I lost you on, lost you on the first value point, all right? Well, it might get better. Hang in there. You might have something that you like. Number two, number two, bold faith. Faith that believes God for big things. Don't you want to be a part of a church that believes God for big things? Not things we can do or not things we can pay for. Big things that only God can do. Number three, I love this one. Pregnant hope. Hope that is filled with anticipation. Now, I love the word pregnant because you can watch. Michelle, you did a wonderful job with this pregnancy. Tony over there, new baby in arms. Way to go. What happens when a woman's pregnant? We watch the expansion of, check this out, what is hope for but what has not yet arrived. But the closer you get with hope. The greater anticipation, what it means is you don't quit during the hard times. You don't give up. When, when, when the wind's in our face and not at our backs at this place, we're going to go after hope. When it doesn't look good, that's okay. We're not going by what it looks good. We're going to hang on the promises of God. Are you with me? We want an ever-growing hope of what God is about to do in this place. Number four, covenant relationships, relationships that last forever how do you know we're going to enjoy each other forever we might as well work on it now (laughs) i'll move on past that one kingdom generosity how about this giving that overflows overflow i chose that word i love that word because that means that you are already full to the top and you have so much extra that you can give to other people isn't that a good vision right there Number six, a growth mindset. We want to be committed to reaching our full potential. How many of you know I, I, this is the greatest thing I ever heard in one of our starting point classes? One woman said this We're at Living Stones because we realized we could go to a lot of different places and be comfortable, but this place makes us uncomfortable. I was like, Could you elaborate? What, what, she meant, what she meant was this. I don't want to stay in neutral. I don't want to keep going through the motions. I want to be in an environment where I'm challenged to grow. And how many of you know when you're growing, you're happy, but it also hurts a little bit because you're using muscles you've never used before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is not the love boat. We, we're loving... But, th- but this is not a love boat cruise. This is a battleship. This is an aircraft carrier. And we're going to hug on the ship, but we're going to be on mission together. And, and so we're going to have a growth mindset because we all need to up our game. We all, I mean, you know, we're pursuing an infinite one. His name's Jesus. So there's always room to grow. Lastly, increasing excellence. We're going to always strive to offer our best. Seek first the kingdom. Everything else gets added unto you. How I many of know it's good to have a posture that says, I don't have to be a perfectionist. If I'm imperfect, I have to just quit. No, we're going to realize that there's always room to grow, and we're always going to be moving towards being more excellent and doing whatever we do better. I'm a, I'm a husband now. I want to be a better one. I'm a dad now. I want to be a better one. I'm a, I'm a grandpa now. I want to really max out grandpahood. all right? I'm a pastor, but guess what? I haven't arrived. So just love me, be patient with me. Uh, But guess what? I want to be a more excellent pastor. Y'all get the spirit. It's it's a forward-focused vision where we continually grow, we continually move towards excellence in what we do. So over the next seven weeks, we're going to unpackage all of that, all right? But I want you, I mean, you know, those are not just things that go on the wall. Those are who we become. That's our identity. That's who we become. All right? Stand to your feet. I wish we had more time together. we could have a lot of fun. But hey, more fun this week, more fun next week. Fun, fun, fun. Let me pray for you. Hey if anybody needs prayer too, right? And when I say, "Amen, hustle on down. We might be singing the third service songs, but we'll pray for you anyway. And uh, be patient in the parking lot. We have gravel coming. Uh, we have a whole new parking lot out there coming and uh, got some great stuff. We're going to be practicing Dreaming Big, all right? I'll be sharing with you as we move into the new year. Father, thanks for your people. Thanks for the kingdom of God that's supposed to be coming right here to Living Stones, right here to planet Earth. Help us, Lord, to honor you and to love you and to follow your Holy Spirit, and to be a place where literally people are waiting in line to get here to be with your people because there's something radical, something awesome, that is happening in this place. Lord, do it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Hey, marriage class at four, all right? We love you all. Have a great week.